Welcome to the Recruitment Leadership Podcast, hosted by Alison Humphreys. The Recruitment Leadership Podcast is here to help those in the recruitment industry gain awareness and understanding on the hot topics faced by those in the business of hiring people. In each episode, Alison Humphreys is joined by a fellow expert to offer professional knowledge, insight and advice on the biggest subjects affecting recruitment businesses. It's the podcast to listen to for recruitment business frontrunners seeking expert information from industry-leading advisors. Welcome to the Recruitment Leadership Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Recruitment Leadership Podcast. I'm Alison Humphreys. Uh, thank you for joining us again, listeners. Today we are taking another completely different angle on the whole issue of candidate shortages, reaching people, and then engaging the right people for your organisation to thrive. Now, in previous episodes, we have looked at overcoming issues around lack of neurodiversity. We've looked at race discrimination. We've looked at gender discrimination. Um, But today, I'm welcoming Lindsay Simpson. Lindsay is the CEO of 55 Redefined. And Lindsay, before we go on and talk about 55 Redefined, let's have a quick walk through your background because actually you're an experienced recruiter. You were the CEO of The Curve Group for, I think, 12, 13 years? Exactly that. 12 years, actually, Alison. So so yes, recruiting um, and talent attraction is very much in my DNA. Right. Okay. So all our listeners are Uh, leaders and owners of recruitment businesses Um, and so I'm sure that Lindsay will be able to show you how this is highly relevant to you but Lindsay interestingly I believe from your LinkedIn profile that you had actually been a customer of Curve Group before joining them and obviously having achieved considerable success very awarded organization um, recruitment process outsourcer of the year and interestingly one of the UK's top 50 most disruptive companies. Now, that we mean disruptive in the innovative sense rather than the absolute nuisance sense, obviously. But uh, we can perhaps talk a little bit more about that later. So, um, Lindsay, your organisation, 55 Redefined, um, can you talk us through how you came to be doing this And if I can just bolt a question on there, what made you think the world needed an organisation like yours? Yeah, of course. Yeah, thank you, Alison. And and, and you're quite right. My my career has spanned from banking into recruitment, into HR, outsourcing. I've got a bar and restaurant business. I've got this business. So it's it's fair to say it covers many bases, but um, but people and talent run throughout it. And, and and the epiphany really actually happened whilst I was CEO of the Curve Group. So um, winding the clock back three to four years, um, RBS NatWest, as they now are um, one of our banking customers, reached out to us because they had a big regulated file review um, from the FCA. And thus they needed to unpick work that they completed in the 1990s. And they needed particularly skilled uh, professionals in corporate commercial credit skills. And they couldn't find them. They weren't allowed to use their alumni because they couldn't mark their own homework. They'd, uh, they had an RPO in situ that wasn't able to find that type of talent. 
Um, and equally, they weren't applying to job adverts and their LinkedIn profile said retired. And so they, they gave me a call because they knew that prior to the Kirk Group, I'd spent 10 years in a bank and so thought I might have, you know, a bit of a brainwave for them. And so I set about literally ringing ex-colleagues from the 1990s. I still have my Barclays mobile number now, uh, 30 odd years later, um, and, um, and, and just wanted to see whether people would fancy coming out of retirement, working for us at the Curve Group as a six month contract and, and helping us with this file review. And the short story of this is that in eight weeks, we hired 400 people out of retirement. Wow. Which was 400 people. 400 people. Um, but it was old school recruitment. It was literally making a phone call, catching somebody on a golf course. Who are the three people that you still keep in contact with? Tell us their telephone numbers. Can we say your name? Um, you know, there was no online marketplace. And the story was almost identical in that everyone I spoke to, and, and increasingly a telephone team that we built to reach out to them, they all thought that retirement was what they wanted. They all thought, particularly in the world of white collar professional work, that it was a mark of success. It was a pinnacle of their career. And actually it was competitive and still is. You know, if I can retire at 57 and my buddy retired at 59, somehow I've been more successful than they have. I've made it. But the reality dawned on all of them about 12 to 18 months after they'd left their corporate careers, whereby they'd got the lay-ins out of their system, they'd had the holidays, they'd seen their friends, they'd seen their grandchildren, they'd done up the house, they've done all of the projects that never got time for. And then the reality hits them that they've got another 30 to 40 years of existence and nothing to do, nothing purposeful. You know, there's only so much hobbying you can do. There's only so much sport you can do. Um, and so by the time we reached out where they'd been perhaps, you know, three to five years retired, they were governor of a local school, trustees of local charities, volunteer barista makers, you name it, anything and desperate to get back engaged. And, and I spoke to um, at NatWest just actually a few weeks ago and of those 400 250, three years later, are still working for them. And the majority have gone back into full time employment with them. And so these are people in their mid 60s now um, that, that wanted to pursue a new career. So so that was kind of the epiphany. And, and, you know, as always with epiphanies, the answer feels like it's going to be really simple. So I'll just build a job board. You know, we'll just create a marketplace for over 50s to connect with employers that want to engage. Um, and then the rest, as they say, is history, as obviously that then grew arms, legs and everything else as we created work redefined, jobs redefined, life redefined and different solutions for employers, for the recruitment industry and for consumers and candidates themselves. Mm. So, uh, yes, important to point out that this is not just about, uh, you know, a job board. It's actually about the whole life of people in who are in later stages of their life. So, Lindsay, you have very kindly um, got an offer for listeners of the of the Recruitment Leadership Podcast, which we will come back to towards the end, because there is some, some very practical, actionable things that Lindsay's organisation can support you with. But to set some scene, some context, first of all, what, in your view, Lindsay, are the, are the issues that are created by a lack of understanding of age diversity um you know what how do you see that played out in in workplaces 
Well, unfortunately, there are huge stereotypes related to age. And I think it's fair to say that ageism is the last bastion of diversity and and discrimination, actually, that hasn't really been tackled, Um, not just in the workplace, but also in the media. You know, you just have to pick up an advert and that one that or watch daytime TV to see how over 50s are portrayed um, and then see the disconnect if you are or you know somebody who is over 50. Um, Yes. Believe me, when I got sent my first brochure of, of disability aids and, and you know, uh, rise and recliner chairs, I thought, oh my goodness me, this is not the sort of person I feel I am. Exactly that. And, and so, so some of the common stereotypes we see in the workplace, um, the, the first is around kind of activity levels. And so we see um, instances where employers or recruiters will say, you know, they're just lacking energy, they're lacking pace, or, um, you know, we're just not sure that they've got, you know, the staying power, you know, perhaps we're a large retailer with a large footprint, and they're going to need more rest breaks, you know, kind of these patronising little side head tilts that we get with people go, if they're over 50, they can't, they can't do a lot of walking. Um, And I don't quite know what their experiences are of over 50s. But certainly our experiences, people in their 50s, their 60s, their 70s, they're running triathlons, they're actually ordinarily fitter than they were in their 20s and 30s. Um, And, Actually, it is a classic stereotype in the sense that energy um, is completely irrelevant to age. So you will have a 20-year-old with bags of energy and you'll have a 20-year-old that struggles and is lethargic and exactly the same at the opposite end of the age spectrum. And so we apply these age filters, but they are stereotypes. Um, Likewise, we find that there's a, a disconnect between what workers want and what employers and recruiters are offering. So 56% of workers over 50 want to continue to work beyond the age of 65. In fact, a quarter of all over 50s want to continue to work beyond the age of 85. Really? Yeah, we we still have, yeah, policies and practices in the UK and Western society, which is kind of retiring people off at age 60 and 65. And you know, the time of recording this, you know, very recent in our history is the Queen passing in the UK. If she'd been retired off at age 50 or 60, she would have been literally um, not even halfway through her reigning year. She was still active and working the week of her death in her mid 90s. Yet we have this obsession that 60 is somehow, you know, 60, 65 is the right age. The facts are that retirement and that age was put in place post-war when life expectancy was just three years into retirement. We've added 30 years onto life expectancy, yet we're assuming that these people don't want to continue to work, and they do. You know, and and then the, the the kind of usual ones we see around them not being digitally native is a is again a false stereotype. You're just as able to pick up technology um, and understand programming skills. You know, deep um, web three and any other categories you are if you were born with that technology. And and finally is around health. So one of the um, alarming factors that came out of the COVID pandemic is people were bombarded in the media by stereotypes that if you are over 50, you're vulnerable, you're going to get ill, you need to shield, you need to stay at home. And so unfortunately, employers, recruiters have picked up this stereotype and will often say, in fact, our research showed that over a third of employers won't consider candidates over 50 because they think they're likely to get ill more often. 
And the reality, again, always these things are backed up with facts, are that a worker in their 50s is 200% less likely to take a day off work sick than a worker in their 20s. So they are more reliable and they are healthier than their, than their colleagues in their 20s. Right. Sorry, just to repeat that then, 200% less likely to take a day off sick than their colleague in their 20s. Correct. And and you just have to put yourself back into your shoes. You know, I'm 44. Um, you know, I remember being 20 and in my early 20s. And there were days that you maybe had a hangover or a cold and a spurious reason where you just needed to kind of take a bit of a gap. Um, and so anybody on the call who's staffing contact centres will know that Saturday morning shifts are not a popular shift um, to get your younger cohorts in. So there's an element around um, non-genuine um, health uh, absences. But there's also, um, we, we are in the midst of a, a mental health epidemic um, around anxiety um, and around mental health disorders, um, but they have a preeminence within people in their 20s. And so people in their 50s and 60s are from a different generation and have different levels of resilience when it comes to work, which means they don't have that level of absenteeism. But you don't see somebody going, I won't hire somebody in their 20s because they are one in three likely to have a mental health disorder. But we can quite comfortably say we won't hire somebody over 50 because they might get ill, but with no data or substance behind that. Yes. And and as I often say on these podcasts, it's the statistics that, that people need to quote um, rather than uh, just generalised assertions, isn't it? Just a, a side note there, Lindsay. Um, I think we most people are aware that uh, half a million people left the workforce during the pandemic. Um, and despite Boris Johnson's reassurances that uh, they were all going on to payroll, they weren't. They actually left the workforce. The reporting suggests that most of those people were in the over 50s, age group. So just thinking about what you've said, what do you think is behind that exodus, if you will? Yeah, it's and, and it was absolutely statistically significant. So it was the first year in the last 20 years that there'd been an increase in over 50s leaving the, the workforce. It was absolutely a knee-jerk reaction by employers. So as they were all in any sectors trying to cut costs. They were often looking at their most expensive employees, which were often their long service employees, which then had a correlation with age. And so um, so the reason why an, a, a higher quantity of people in this age category were made redundant is that they were occupying you know, uh, jobs with, with higher benefits. However, the reason they didn't come back is different. So firstly, they were a little bit miffed with their employers, quite frankly, being put out to pasture and being told they're not valuable. And then a mere 12 months later being told, oh, actually, now we need you now. I know we didn't look after you, but now we need you. And, you know, the travel industry is just a great example there of where they didn't look after people on exit. And thus those people are going, well, now screw you. I'm not coming back because you were horrible to me. Um, there's also this 12 to 18 months dynamic that I mentioned. So often people in this age group have the ability not to return to work because they have final salary pensions and a financial position that enables them to remain retired. And so uh, what we see, and as we advised the um, cabinet office back when that statistic happened, and we've seen now with the ONS stats, is that those people are now on their masses unretiring. 
So they've had their 12 to 18 months, they've got it out of their system, and they're now coming back. What is interesting is that a quarter of over 50s are now considering starting their own business. So they're not necessarily coming back into traditional employment, but they are reskilling and they're starting their own businesses, or they're, they're going back into education to completely pivot into a different sector to what they've previously been working in. Um, but but there certainly is, um, you know, you have to just pick up a newspaper on a Sunday now and you will see the great unretirement. Um, and I, so I think that statistical bubble has burst and these people are coming back into the workforce in their droves. OK, very interesting. One stat that might just be useful, and this hasn't made it into the press yet, this gets published for us um, a month after this recording, um, but um, we've just done our big annual age barometer study of 4,000 people over 50. Um, and one little sneak statistic there before you read it in the press is that 82% of that population, so 4,000 over 50s across the UK, 82% have not been contacted by a recruiter in the last 12 months, despite the biggest shortfall in talent on record. So when we say they aren't out there, they are out there, but they're not being reached. Right. Okay, that's really interesting. So uh, some of our listeners will now be thinking that this is great, you know, and I can see there's an untapped pool of candidates that for my clients. But before we move on to how you can help them support their clients, I want to just ask about the recruitment industry itself and your views, because um, it doesn't take a genius to point out that most people in the recruitment industry are young. We tend to recruit our own staff young. And I, I do talk to my clients, the owners and leaders of recruitment businesses, about hiring older people, and they are extremely wary. So... Could you just give us your thoughts on the industry itself and age profile? Yeah, I, I can. And, and I'll, I'll do it through a, a, a few different lenses. So so at the Curve Group, um, when I was there, our most successful headhunters uh, were older. <laughs> um, they were typically those that didn't want traditional shift patterns, but would be happy to speak to that senior executive on a Saturday morning or you know nine o'clock at night, because that's when they were available and they recognised that. And that fitted around their life um, and objectives. And so, um, so we had a, a much higher instance of older recruiters in our business um, and none of them were for the recruitment background. So um, again, one of the reasons we were disruptive, you know, you mentioned earlier, was that typically we hired people that had never worked in the recruitment industry before, that were estate agents or had worked in the PR sector, you know, or teachers and, and just retrained them into the world of recruitment. You know, you know, do you have great people skills? Do you genuinely like people? Do you like solving problems and matchmaking? You know, and do you understand an, an industry or a particular uh, lean around a functionality? And, and then they were great. And then we could teach them recruitment. So I think we have um, a lazy obsession in the recruitment industry of, of youth um, and hiring people from each other. So assuming that one of the bigger companies, a Reed and a Deco or a Hayes, they can do the legwork and do the training and we'll just pick them up and pop them into our business and then they'll know what they're doing. Um, so so that, that's one incidence. Um, the, the second lens around the recruitment industry is I think we're people pleasers. Um, and so um, I hear a lot from, from the recruitment partners that we do work with is that part of their issue around talking around age inclusion 
is they don't know how to challenge their customers on the topic. So they they feel strongly often that there are older candidates that are more suitable, but they might be white middle-aged men. And thus they feel that they can't present that because they're under significant pressure to present, you know, uh, female candidates or more gender diverse categories in terms of the niche characteristics. And so kind of don't put forward candidates they think are actually good for the role through fear of not pleasing their clients and and don't see their role as being the educator of their clients. So it's almost like the client says jump and they just say how high rather than, well, you could jump, but actually we could leapfrog or we could do this or we could take this sidestep. And I think if the industry is going to uh, professionalise and continue to evolve with the, the, the way of um, workforces going forwards, then, then it has a responsibility to play in educating clients around workforces. And no, you can't, ha- you know, you can shout as loudly as you want, but there aren't enough talent in that pool. So you have to accept different types of candidates or you have to invest now in a reskill program so we can actually start training people through rather than keep just trying to find the hen's tooth that's out there that you know someone else is you know chasing around each company so that, that they're kind of some of the, the the lenses that we see around challenging clients wanting to please but not not feeling like they have the positional authority to challenge their customers. Yes, yes. And I think that's a theme that comes up on a lot of uh, podcasts with different guests. There is a point, I'm just going to put this out there. Some people will disagree with me. But a lot of the recruitment business owners I know are actually quite scared of hiring older people themselves. There's There's an expectation that, okay, if they're older than me, they're going to challenge me. Yeah. Or as you said before, they won't be able to learn new tricks or they'll just be very, you know, stuck in their ways. But but this very specific they're going to challenge me um, is is really felt. And if you've got if some of our listeners are thinking that they're thinking, look, everything Lindsay's saying sounds great. And I I would like to um, have a broader pool of people working for me, but I am worried about how it might play out. What would you say to those people about a an age diverse recruitment business and how you keep everybody engaged? Yeah. So I think the evidence speaks for itself that, that multi-generational teams and multi-diverse teams are more productive. They're more effective in their decision making. They come to better conclusions and you have different skill sets. So, yes, it's quite right. Somebody in their 50s and 60s might feel more confident in challenging the status quo because they have lived experience that they're bringing to to the party. But the converse to that is as a business owner, why on earth would you not want to tap into those knowledge and ideas? And you still have the ability to filter that feedback and say, yes, this is relevant to me. No, this isn't. Um, we, we also, I think, have um, an association with age and salary. So linked to the challenge point is sometimes a, a fear that if I hire an older recruiter, they're going to cost me more money um, just because they are, you know, at this age profile. And, and again, you know, we're seeing that that is, is, is a false stereotype. So our research is very clear. 92% of people over 50 will take a pay cut to retrain and reskill into a new industry or role. 
the biggest reason, the number one reason people in this age group leave employment is boredom. You know, they are not leaving employment because they're being made uh, uh, redundant. They're not leaving employment because they, um, you know, they're desperately wanting to go and do something else. They just don't want to do the same thing they've been doing for the last 25, 30 years. And, and, and so, you know, I mean, we've got apprentice schemes, for example. So Dentsu um, is one of the world's largest advertising and media companies, 50,000 employees, average age of very young they're an advertising business and we had these debates with them a few months ago and you know we're, we're launching over 50s apprentice schemes but the salary level is exactly the same as whether you are 18 years old or 80 years old it's twenty thousand um, pounds but people in this age group are going wow i can learn advertising i can do video editing i can learn how to create social media reels i can work on real life client adverts that i'm going to see on tv brilliant I'd happily do that for free, let alone you're going to pay me 20,000 and reskill me. Brilliant. You know, and, and so I think the same is the same with recruitment. You know, we we assume that it's a young person's game because we have these outdated models of low pay and high commission. And yeah, that might not work for an older worker. It might be that they want a more reasonable base, but they're not bothered at all about commission. And they would far rather have a team incentive or a night out or something that gets the team going rather than, you know, this kind of, um, you know, annual or monthly bonus that's attributed to their work. So so I, I think it's false. So thank you. And, and that's I think there's some really thought provoking um, data and perspectives there for recruitment business owners about their own staffing. Now, let's move on to the issue that they routinely face when they are trying to encourage clients to consider a wider range of profiles. So um, what advice would you give recruiters who are addressing that age stereotyping with clients? So, you know, a very typical scenario would be that um, they might not actually mention age, but they simply won't respond to those CVs because they're they're looking for somebody to be a subordinate um, and uh, the assumption is that it must be someone who is therefore behind you on the age curve. How would you in practice advise a recruiter to manage that conversation? So I think there are a couple of killer stats that um, when we share them with employers their jaw drops to the floor. And, and they are stats that, you know, if, if anybody listening to this podcast gets anything out of, you know, to write down, because it, it you know, if, if you can bring them into the conversation as an educational piece, it, it, it absolutely makes a difference. Um, the, the first stat is that if you're a UK recruiter between now and 2050, the working age population in the UK will shrink by 25%. It is a fact. We have 2022 census data. We know the birth rates. They are at historically low levels. And thus, if you think it's hard to recruit this year, just think of how difficult it's going to get as that pool shrinks by 25%. In that exact same period of time, the over 60 population grows by 40%. So that alone gives you an indication of just how much our workforce is aging. And, you know, if I bring that then back to like here and today, so 2022, within two years in the UK, one in every two workers in the workforce will be over 50. 
So if we think right. that 50 is now nearing retirement, we have to understand that now 50 is mid-career. So if you think of a career being, you know, age 20 to age 70, at age 50, you still have 20 more years left. You will probably have another two careers in that time frame. And this education piece, uh, you know, as I say, I, I find very few companies or individuals you know, that, that know the stats. They, they read the paper and they know we're aging, but it doesn't feel very real. But in, until they see the facts and then they want those numbers and they want to share it with their board and then they want to share it with their executive committee and then they want to share it with all their hiring managers and then they want to say, how do we change stuff around here so we see 50 as being the midpoint in someone's career and not the latter stages of their career? Thank you for that, Lindsay. Those are, as you say, killer statistics. Um, are they from the ONS or CIPD or? There they are, ONS stats. So um, we can share, you know, if anybody wants to reach out to us or if they look on our Work Redefined website, um, they'll find a number of resources and research um, that's both publicly available, such as ONS, or is um, uh, independently commissioned research through us or a number of the charities in the sector. Um, but the stats are there. It's just that we are one of the few organisations that's then making it real for employers right now as to what that means. Um, and, and the other thing I would say, and it kind of goes back to your last question, Alison, around, you know, if I'm a recruiter and I'm think, you know, I'm running a recruitment business and thinking about hiring young recruiters, you have to remember that this shift in population age isn't just the workforce it's everybody, thus it's your customers and, and their customers. And so the people that are going to be spending money with you increasingly are going to be in their 40s, their 50s and their 60s. And do they want to be facing off all of the time to a recruiter who is 30 years younger than them? I would suggest not. Um, and so, you know, we're seeing in other sectors that are leading the way. So financial services, um, you know, which often kind of takes a, a front foot in some of the population pieces where they're mirroring customers. So if you're a customer that's wanting to buy a mortgage or you're bringing a life insurance company to tell them that you've had a bereavement or you're telling a bank that you're in financial difficulty, increasingly we are staffing those contact centres, those advice lines with over 50s, with life experience that say, yeah, I, I know what it's like to get a mortgage. This is my fourth. You know, I know what it's like to handle bereavement. I've lost people. And, and so that mirroring, is just as relevant to the recruitment industry when the heads of talent, the heads of resourcing, the um, the HR leaders that you're engaging with are also ageing at the same rate. Yes, goodness me, that, that that's some fascinating data there. Thank you, Lindsay. Now, I did say at the top of this podcast that there would be a special offer for listeners to the podcast, but in, most importantly, it's about taking action isn't it so I think we're all convinced and interested enough how can your organization practically support recruiters and their clients yeah of course um, well the good news is we don't compete <laughs> so we don't do recruitment um, in a traditional sense we don't find candidates and place them in and interview them we help companies attract engage retain and retrain over 50s talent so on that talent attraction lens, we do two big things. We have a jobs board, so jobs redefined, which is the only professional job boards for over 50s. So 
advertising roles on there, you know, will mean that you've got a diverse pool of candidates. And often our, our, our partners are advertising there because they're seeing that their applications through Indeed or uh, other channels are all below 50. And so we're a complimentary channel. And then we wrap around that attraction campaign with um, either paid advertising or employer value content, which really brings to life that brand, that company, that role for this segment, which is very specifically targeted to them. So it's not a generic advert. It is very specific around, oh, okay, the Commonwealth Games. You know, we would love you to come and work in the Commonwealth Games when you are over 50. And these are the types of skills or we see you like buying flowers. So come and work for Bloom and Wild and retrain and be a florist. It doesn't matter that you're an accountant right now, but this is a new career pathway. So we create um, in partnership with employers, those big uh, talent attraction programs. Around the other lens of our products and services, we help end user employers or large recruitment organizations themselves around that life cycle. So how do you create an over 50s apprentice scheme? You know, how do you become age inclusive within your company? You know, how do you teach your people how to be age inclusive through e-learning solutions and interactions? And so we have a real range of products and services that you can plug into us and with a simple referral, we'll kind of do the heavy lifting and the education piece and help employers but then we will see you as an extension to our sales team. And so any clients that you refer in our direction that buy something from us, we will give you a direct kickback on that revenue. Right. OK, now now you've got their attention, Lindsay. <laughs> so um, so just to be clear, then you have your job board, which is specifically uh, going to generate a clear source of a more age diverse uh, applicant pool. You've got your consultancy service, which advises employers about all the ways they can do this fascinating stuff like those um, apprenticeships for the over 50s. Um, but that's just one of the many, many tools. And you also have um, a site called Life Redefined. How does that relate to these sites? Yeah, well, it's 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 massive, really. Um, so Life Redefined is our consumer platform. So that's where we have our kind of purpose finder tools and we help people find the next career path or help them retrain or rethink what they want to do with this next stage of life. Um, but in reality, to a recruitment audience such as this podcast, it's a passive candidate pool. So it's, a, it's currently um, at the time of this recording, our audience is about 70,000 over 50s a month. Um, that are coming to engage with us to, to kind of go, what do I do next? What are other people doing? What kind of things could I do? And so what we do is cross-refer those uh, employer and those advertising campaigns. So if you're Barclays and you're trying to engage project managers, then we will be interrupting people as they're booking their holiday. Or, you know, would you fancy coming back to work? Or you're, you're an accountant, but you fancy unretiring and working three months a year for assets. So it's a huge pool of passive candidates. And the reason, again, why this is so important is, again, this, this national research that we complete um, each year uh, to 4,000 over 50s, interestingly, only 16% of that demographic are active on LinkedIn. So they might have a profile, but often it's dormant. And the LinkedIn usage is different per region. So if you're in Greater London, 22% of over 50s will be on LinkedIn. But if you're in Wales, only 10%. 
So if you're a recruiter out there and you're used to either job adverts and LinkedIn as being your two primary sources of attraction, you won't find over 50s candidates because 65% of this age group will not apply to a job advert on a job board without being encouraged to do so. And as we see, they're not active on LinkedIn. So we go find them and, and our Life Redefined platform is very much plugged into their their lifestyle interests. So it's far more prevalent on Facebook and on Instagram and on Google. And thus, that's where we pull our audience from to apply to our employer vacancies. Okay, right. Thank you. So um, I think we've just about got time, Lindsay. If you're able to talk us through a case study um, where a recruiter or an end hirer has successfully changed their applicant profile or did their workforce profile with your support, could you just give give us an outline of a, of a real life example? Yeah, of course. And I'll give you a campaign that's running at the moment, actually. So um, Buck um, are a, a pensions consultancy and a pensions administrator. So they power the big pension schemes, the likes of Capita and those big corporates. Um, any of you listening that are in the world of pensions will know that pensions consultants are right there as the kind of the, the non-existent hen's teeth. You know, everyone in LinkedIn has been contacted about 15 times by everyone in the market. And there's been a real dearth of development in the sector. So the, 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 the age demographic has kind of uh, tipped past 50 and retired early. And there isn't enough young, younger talent coming through that's trained to fill the roles. So, so they were looking for pension consultants and a drawn a blank. And so we decided to do a comparison. So they have retained three executive search agencies, not for executive roles. So for roles that vary between 60 and 80,000 pounds as the salary, but they've retained search because they're like, we just can't find them and we actually can't fulfill our customer need around pensions because there aren't enough skilled consultants. So they've got those three agencies. And then with us, we ran a advertising campaign. So we've run a campaign on Facebook um, and we've run a campaign through Life Redefined where basically our nuance is in the world of pensions, age is your superpower. You know, you know it because you're a pensioner. You understand the product and therefore you can help employers navigate this product. And so... The very first bit of the campaign, we saw that it was difficult to get people to engage to formally apply. So they don't click that apply button very often on the job board access because they then go straight into an applicant tracking system process, which is, you know, a, a form and loads of different hurdles that they don't want to jump through. So we instead created a process where they just express interest. So they express interest, they share their details um, they don't commit to an application and we take them through a nurture series. So we'll have a come and join a Facebook live event with Buck to find out more about the role or schedule a 10 minute call with a recruiter in their team to find out more about it. And so we've now got, you know, kind of, you know, 100 leads come through that process and they're finding people that were in the pension sector, but haven't been for 10 years. So left early, did something else, never thought they could come back. And and we have outperformed their three retained agencies with just doing, obviously, an advertising-led campaign. So, so that's a classic example of where these people, they're not on LinkedIn and you have to find a way of reaching them saying, what do they read? You know, what up journals are they on? Where do they online shop? And we'll go hang out there and bring them through um, into your recruitment function. 
Right. Thank you. Okay. Well, Lindsay, um, it's not only convincing with statistics, it's inspiring and it's actionable, uh, as you've just described. So I'm sure there will be listeners out there who are thinking, yes, um, and who will be very interested in that referral bonus arrangement that you suggested. Now, there is a URL that's unique, uh, that's in the notes to this episode. If you are on the go and you can't see the, those notes at the moment, then um, either go contact Lindsay by uh, via, the, via the website, Lindsay, is that right? Uh, uh, LinkedIn, you could just connect to me on LinkedIn and I'll put you in touch with the right person in the team. Um, or yes, you can submit an inquiry form through through um, our Work Redefined website, where you will be put into the partnerships team. Right, okay. And if you could please reference this um, this podcast, the Recruitment Leadership Podcast, that will help you, obviously, um, know where it's all come from, won't it, Lindsay? Okay, Lindsay, thank you so much for joining me. Um, it's been really interesting, eye-opening, and um, I do hope that a lot of our listeners will now turn and, and look further at what you can offer to them and their clients. So um, thank you very much. This has been another Recruitment Leadership Podcast. I'm Alison Humphreys. Much as I love educating the recruitment community and giving them new perspectives like this, I am a non-exec director and board advisor. So if you're interested in that kind of advice, please do um, subscribe for the, for the podcast, but please do get directly in contact with me, alison at recruitmentleadership.co.uk. Lindsay Simpson, thank you very much. Thank you. You've been listening to the Recruitment Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe, review and share so that others can find the podcast too. We really appreciate your support. If you have any questions about the topics covered or wish to find out more about recruitment leadership, please email alison at recruitmentleadership.co.uk referencing the podcast. We're also on LinkedIn where you can follow Recruitment Leadership and connect with Alison Humphreys. Thank you for listening and we hope you join us next time for another episode of the Recruitment Leadership Podcast.